Hi, you're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, Melissa K. Norris, where we inspire your faith and pioneer roots with modern homesteading, growing your own food, self-sufficiency, and just good old-fashioned common sense traditional skills. This is episode number 64, and it's grinding your own flour and choosing a flour mill, and why this isn't just for preparedness. So a lot of times, you will see if you've went and visited any kind of preparedness sites or self-sufficiency, a lot of times one of the best items for food storage, because it is stored easily for a very long time, is wheat berries. And then you'll also see advice given um, that it's a bad idea to add into your food storage because then you have to include the price of using a flour grinder or finding a way to grind your own flour at home. And so I always say, and this is my like number golden one ruled with food storage, is don't ever store anything that you're not using in your everyday life. I think it's silly to store food items that you're not using on a regular basis just for the off chance of an emergency. So we only store things in our food storage in our pantry that I'm using in our everyday kitchen and cooking and that kind of a thing. So I want to talk about grinding your own flour and why it's something that I personally believe that everybody should be doing at home all the time. Because this is actually one of the places that I started very first um, when we started moving towards using more whole foods and natural foods, getting rid of processed foods, and really making over our diet and the way we our food was at our home. And that was due to I was having health issues. And so I had a health scare and it really made me reassess and look at the foods that we were eating. I was feeding my kids and we really redid things. So one of the very first things that that included for us was grinding our own flour at home. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Even if you buy organic flour from the store or whole wheat flour from the store, when you look at it, it says enriched. And the reason for that is because there's three parts to a wheat berry, which you grind. It's not a berry like you would think like a fruit berry. It's like a little hard kernel, kind of like a popcorn seed. It's a little hard seed, which it is, in fact, the seed. That's what you would plant if you were going to plant wheat. But they call it a wheat berry. So just in case you were wondering about that, if you've never seen one before, there's three parts to a wheat berry. There is the endosperm, which is the inside then there's the germ and that's inside as well so those are the two part inside and then there's the brand so those are the three parts to the wheat berry and so the germ has the oil in it and if you leave that in it once you grind it up as we all know oil can turn rancid and so in order to make flour shelf stable they have to remove the oil out of it so that it doesn't turn rancid when it's sitting on the store shelf before you buy it and you take it home. Because usually it's about two weeks before after it's exposed to air before it starts to turn rancid. So that's why all of your commercial flour or anything like that always says enriched because most of the fiber, vitamins, minerals, and the antioxidants, they're in the bran and the germ where the oil is at. And so they have to extract that out. So they're taking out all of the nourishing parts of it for your body. And then they're having to add vitamins and minerals and stuff back in, hence why it says enriched. So you'll see it always says enriched. And that's why. So if you're ever wondering. So for me, I decided that grinding my own flour at home was the way that I wanted us to go. 
And that was because I wanted to keep all of those vitamins and minerals in, and I wanted it to be fresh and as part of our preparedness and self-sufficiency. Um, I, you know, I looked at storing flour, you know, regular flour from the store and you can store it for a while, but as far as long-term food storage goes, flour from the store isn't really your best bet. So that's kind of what started it all. And then it comes into grinding it at home. So when I first started doing this, I actually borrowed a friend's electric Blendtec mill to try it out for myself because I had never ground flour before and I had a friend who had a flour grinder and it was an electric one. And so I borrowed that and I was, I don't know what I quite expected to tell you the truth, (laughs) Um, but I was really excited to try it out. Um, And it was quite noisy and there was a little fine layer of dust all around my table, flour dust, from when I was done grinding. But it totally ground it up into a flour. So that was really exciting for me. And that has now been, oh my goodness, like three or four years ago, I think. And so after that, I decided that I definitely was getting my own mill. And we were going to grind our own flour at home. And I was going to use fresh flour. So then I started and you can guess, looking into how to choose the best flour mill for us and for our uses. And so that's kind of what we're going to go over today is looking at the different options of flour mills and how to choose which one is going to be right for you and your home. So there's manual flour mills and there's electric flour mills for at-home use. And so manual is just kind of like it sounds. It's usually it's a hand crank, so it has a handle that you turn by hand. And when you turn that, it moves the little plates inside that grind up all of your flour. Usually they're referred to as burrs. So manual flour mills have some really great pros to them. And number one, and this is especially true if you're off-grid or on solar or really concerned about using it in an emergency situation, is manual mills, excuse me, don't use electricity. Um, so you won't be increasing your power bill and you don't have to worry about if the power goes out to, to a storm or whatever, you'll still be able to grind your own flour. One of the second pros to a flour mill manual is toned arms. So turning that handle is going to create a toned upper body with the hand that you're using to turn it, which is always a good thing, right? All of us like to be a little bit in shape. And then the other pro is an ability to grind oily products. So only manual mills are going to allow you to do oily products and grind them up like um, nuts and seeds. Okay. So you can't really grind those up with electric mills. And the other thing about which I consider being a homesteading pioneer girl is the nostalgia of a manual meal. I really love vintage and antique things in my home. In fact, a lot of my kitchen stuff in my home, if I can find it vintage and it still works in antique, then that's totally what we use. So a hand-turned flour mill definitely says homesteading to me. I think it looks super awesome in your house as part of your decor. And then it doubles as it's actually functional, provided that you have a functional one that is. If you didn't, if, So if you go to buy one, a used one that is an antique or is a vintage one, definitely have it looked at. Make sure it's serviceable, that you know everything works on it. So there's also some cons to a manual mill that you got to consider too. And one is usually they need to be mounted to a really solid surface. Most of the manual flour mills, they need to be mounted to a table or a countertop, and it needs to be something that's fairly sturdy. 
Then second thing is that is time. So it takes a lot longer to grind up your flour with a manual mill than an electric one, especially if you need to grind up a large amount at one setting. Now, generally speaking, I grind up the flour as I'm using it. So as I'm baking bread, you know, making cookies or pie crust or crackers, whatever it is I'm doing, then I just make sure that I grind it up and use it right then. Because once you grind it up, remember we were talking about the oil and the flour and how once the oxygen and the air hit it, hits it. So after you grind it up, you can, you can store it in a little canister on the counter, put it in the fridge or the freezer. But it really, even in 24 hours after you've ground it up, it starts to lose quite a bit of its vitamins and its minerals and stuff start to leave. So I do sometimes grind up a few extra cups and if I've ground up more than I actually end up needing for the recipe, then I'll put it in an airtight container and I'll toss it in my deep freezer. But even at that, you're still going to lose some of it once you've ground it up of the vitamins and minerals. So the time thing is just going to depend. It is going to take longer to use a manual mill to grind up your flour than an electric one. But if you just are grinding up as you're baking, of course, if you're having a huge baking day, sometimes during the holidays, I end up baking like four or five things in at one day um, is going to depend, but it's just something to consider. And then the third thing with the cons on the manual mill is the weight. So depending upon the brand that you buy and the size and the kind, some manual flour mills weigh up to 20 pounds. So moving around a piece of equipment at that weight, it can become cumbersome. You know, it's, it's going to depend on your house, where you're storing it, how much you're moving it. Um, and all of that kind of thing. So you're just going to want to, you know, keep that in mind as you're weighing your options. And then next we move on to electric flour mills. And I want to give the pros and cons of each. And then I'll tell you the route that I went. So for electric flour mills, the pros, number one is ease of use. Yeah, plug it in, turn it on, pour in your wheat berries and it goes. You don't have to clamp anything down. It is just whoop, good to go. And the reason I said that is you plug it in obviously first, but then you flip the switch before pouring your wheat berries in because you don't want to clog those burrs and break anything. So you don't ever pour your wheat into the electric manual, at least my version, first and then turn it on. You always turn it on and then pour your wheat in. So I just want to make sure that. And mine has like this huge warning um, actually in the enter. Do not pour berries in until turned on. So I have a feeling they've had to replace a few because of that. <laughs> So the second pro on an electric mill, oh, I just totally told you guys that I have an electric mill. I was going to wait till the end. Okay. So I can't keep a secret sometimes. Anyway, so the second pro on that is it's fast. An electric mill is extremely fast. Um, I know you might be thinking time-wise, you don't have time to grind your own flour. It is super duper fast. I can grind up six and a half cups of fresh flour in less than three minutes. I mean, literally... I probably, if I'm baking a thing of cookies and just need to do, you know, like two to three cups of flour, is done in less than a minute. It is takes me longer to actually set it on the counter and plug it in than it probably does to actually grind the wheat. And the third really cool thing with the electric mills that you can just do faster and easier is adjusting the grind. So depending on what you're using the flour in, you adjust the grind and you can go from really fine pastry grade to just like regular for bread flour or you can do it really coarse depending on what you're grinding up. And the adjustment for my electric mill, all you have to do is just turn the switch. So it's got three settings and then you can vary it in between those three settings. Now the grinder that I had borrowed before the brand that I own, it had five different settings for the fineness of the grind. So you can really play around with it. 
Now, there are cons to the electric mill as well. Number one, it's really noisy. The, um, I actually ended up with a wonder mill. They actually, I had written a blog post about it that I was trying to choose what kind to buy. And they contacted me and said, we'll send you one if you try our wonder mill. And I have to tell you, like, I was so excited. It was like better than Christmas. I couldn't I could not believe it. And so they sent it to me for the review and I got to keep it. I've had it for over two, three years now. I've had it quite a while. I don't remember how many years I've had it now. And I'm really excited about it still. Grinding your own flour makes me all kinds of happy. <laughs> Plus it makes me kind of feel like Laura Ingalls Wilder, like Ma Ingalls, which is one of my, the Little House series is one of my favorite things. But they're noisy. It kind of sounds like a vacuum cleaner, but I have to say that the Wonder Mill is not as noisy as the Blendtec that I had borrowed. So if you have, you know, kid baby sleeping or if you're like me, sometimes I stay up really late at night and I'm, you know, catching up on things. Probably not something that you're going to be able to run unless you have people in your house who are super duper hard sleepers and don't wake up. So just know that if it's nap time and you want to grind flour, you might wake your kids up. It is noisy. Um, cons of the electric mill. It's dependent on electricity. It requires a power source. And another, the third part is no oily products. So you can't put anything that's an oily grain through the electric grinders. It gums them up inside and makes them useless. So you don't want to ruin it. So I actually purchased, because we do lose power here, and I think it's always good to be prepared. I purchased a manual wheat grinder to have on hand for emergency situations, power outages, that kind of a thing. And I did quite a bit of research on the reviews because I wanted something that was going to work well when I needed to use it. But I didn't want to go the top of the line because it was my backup mill. It wasn't my everyday mill. My Wonder Mill Electric is my everyday mill. So I, I went and did a lot of research on Amazon, reading through the reviews and all that kind of stuff. And I found one that is still on the less expensive side. But it's the one that I keep in, re in reserve. So if you're looking, depending on what you're looking for, I actually highlighted the models. If you want a manual mill to be your number one flour mill that I have in the show notes, um, the one that I recommend for that. And then if you're just doing a backup mill, then I actually recommend the less expensive one. And then, of course, the Wonder Mill is the one that I use for my electric main flour grinder. So if you want to um, actually check out um, the reviews and my recommendations, you can grab all of that in the show notes. This is episode number 64. And just go to melissaknorris.com. Click on the podcast button. It's right up on the right-hand top of the page. And then all of the episodes are listed numerical and by name. So you just click on that, and then you have full show notes in everything that I'm talking about. And actually on this one, there are some great, great reader comments in the comment section so that talk about the grinders that they have and their experience and everything like that. So you will totally want to check out those as well because I love the reader comments. There's such gold in that because you guys know quite a bit and I love it when the sharing happens. I think that's awesome. So the initial price of a home flour mill, let's just be right up front. If you're going for one and you plan on doing it, it's, it's not cheap. I view mine as an investment. I use it every single week. And truthfully, I feel that it's hard to put a price on something that improves the health of your family. And I guesstimated that it would almost pay for itself in a year. Because if you're buying bread in the store that's, you know, organic, non-GMO, has seeds in it and is made with all healthy ingredients, at least where I live, it's pretty expensive. 
And so when I can grind all of that at home myself, and plus I have my food storage and the peace of mind with it, um, it's a lot less expensive than buying that in the store and then making it myself. So when you go and you're looking at grinding your own flour, there's an array of different kinds of wheat berries that you can choose from to make your flour from. So I prefer hard white wheat for bread baking. It's not quite as dense as the red, and I just prefer it. Also, I think it is a little bit lighter in texture, and so that makes my kids like it more. But for my delicate or my baked items, spelt is my all-time favorite. And sometimes I'll mix the spelt with the hard white wheat too. But spelt is actually an heirloom ancient grain. It's mentioned by name in the Bible, which I think is way cool. (laughs) Um, It has a higher protein count but a lower gluten count, it still does have gluten in it. But like I said, it's primitive. It's non-hybridized wheat. So I use it for cakes and muffins and cookies and pie crusts and all that, that kind of a thing. So there's a lot of lot, lot more to know about baking when you're using fresh flour. There's actually a little bit of a learning curve. And then there's all the different options to choose from wheat. Those are just two of the ones that I use them mainly and the most of, but there's a lot of different ones in understanding what the differences in them mean as far as your cooking and baking with them. So in the show notes, I have linked to the our, my other podcast episode that we is grinding your own flour and then six fresh flour baking tips that you will definitely want to check out because they are tips that are going to save you a ton of time and mistakes when you're using fresh flour. So you can grab that in the show notes as well. So you might be wondering how much wheat berries translates to flour. So I used four and a half cups of wheat berries and I got six and a half cups of flour. So if that kind of gives you, you know, if you need to go and purchase and you're wondering, well, how much, you know, how it relates. And part of that too is to remember, you know, you have the flour when it's freshly ground is it hasn't settled. So when you buy flour from the store and it's been sitting on the shelf for a while, it can really get compact and settled down, which is why a lot of recipes and a lot of baking say to use a spoon and spoon it into your cup and make it heaping and then take the edge of the spoon and scrape it off flat to get a true measurement for your flour when you're baking. Well, when you're grinding it fresh, it is already quite airy because it's being pushed through the grinder and it has air in it already. So there's, I just pour mine straight from my container right into the cup, and I don't bother with spooning it. So that'll kind of give you an idea a little bit on how much you know the wheat berries are going to go. And then as far as cost goes for the wheat berries, it kind of depends. For example, at our local co-op, is mine is $0.85 cents a pound for the organic red har wheat berries. And this was the price actually, um, I think, from a year ago. So I'm not sure if it's went up since then as far as per the per pound because now I don't buy it. Well, I do buy it per pound because that's how it's measured in price, but I don't buy it just from like the little bin where you, you know, you can go to the bulk food section and scoop it out into the bags and you weigh it and mark it and take it up to the counter. I buy mine in bulk. So I buy mine in 25 and 50 pound bags at a time. And we will be having, this is part of the, our 30 day preparedness challenge, which we started September 1st, 2015. So if you're listening to this, you can still sign up and get in on that. And the sign up for that is in the show notes. It's totally free. And every day you'll be getting an email with a link to articles. And each day we take it a step at a time, covering all things preparedness wise with modern homesteading. And it's been really fun. You guys 
have been so awesome who's on the challenge i love all of the sharing and information and comments and suggestions that's been happening it's i'm learning stuff from you guys which is awesome i love that and it's a whole community of people which i think is amazing when people work together and help one another out which is kind of what the group is really becoming and so that's great so you can sign up for that so we will i'll be having a buying in bulk guide will be coming out that'll be one of um, our next upcoming episodes and part of the challenge as well so if you're wondering how much to store where to buy everything in bulk you know where to store it how to store it all of that kind of stuff that's going to be coming up in a future episode so don't worry we will be covering that so I would love, you know, if you grind flour, if you have any questions on the manual and electric mill and all of that kind of stuff and grinding your own flour, please put your comments in the or your in the comment section and we will make sure we get those answered for you. So thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to next time.